You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Well, if you want to talk about Canadian basketball pioneers, look no further than Joyce Slip. As a player, she was part of the first Canadian women's team to compete at the Olympics. As a coach, she helped her alma mater, the University of New Brunswick, to conference championships and a bronze medal at nationals. And now you can hear her calling the UMB women's games for AUS TV. She's watched the game develop into what it is today, and she joins me now to talk about it. Joyce, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, well, my pleasure. So uh, have you been able to watch any of the uh, U Sports Championships so far? Uh, just a little bit. Um, mostly looking at the play-by-play. And you, really? uh, you, uh, you coached at the Nationals. How tough is this for uh, some of the teams and players? I mean, you don't really get too much data on much of the teams that you play, I expect. Well, it's a little bit easier nowadays because you can always get film of teams and uh, talk to other coaches and things. And all all the films are available. Back when I coached, you had to someone had to send you the videotape, and you had to wait, you know, a week or so for for to get the the game in the mail. So it wasn't always that easy. In fact, one time we went to nationals and didn't have any game tape of the team that we played. Wow, that's a that must make it a little bit challenging. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a bit tricky for sure. Yeah, I think they got fined for it because they have to have it there within a certain amount of time. But they they didn't really know. So anyway, we ended up winning that first game, so it was it was all right. <laughs> there you go. That uh, that solves the problem. Yeah. And uh, you were the uh, honorary chair for the AUS playoffs last weekend. How was that? Oh, that was really a, a great honor. I was very uh, tickled that they thought of me, and uh, it was it was nice to. To have that honor, and you got to watch some uh, good games too. Oh yeah, they were so good, so uh, so many upsets in the women's side. It uh, was really, really good, good basketball. Yeah, you gave me uh, some predictions going ahead, uh, going before the weekend, and uh, I I should tell uh, everyone listening that you did get them all wrong, but I think most people got them. Yeah, I did, didn't I? <laughs> I thought no one would touch PEI in Cape Breton, but there you go. They were ne- neither of them were even in the finals. Uh, no. Let's talk about how you first uh, fell in love with basketball. When was the first time you played? Well, it's a it's a it's a very distant memory, but uh, I guess back in played a little bit back in elementary school in grade seven and eight. And what was it that you uh, enjoyed about it? When did you first really start to take it as something you really wanted to do? Well, I the part I guess I just I just enjoyed all sports, and that was one of the one that was ones that was offered to me. If if I had to go back and do that same sport again, I'm not sure that I would choose it because back then it we played uh, in quotes girls' rules, which meant that you. You, um, we had six players on the court, and there were three on offense and three on defense, and they had about a third of the court that was that everyone could play in. And so I was a, a quick player, so I was put on the defensive end. So we would play uh, two tall players would play like a tandem, and I would chase the ball all around on defense. And then as soon as you got it, you had three dribbles. Then you'd pass it up to the forwards who would shoot. So I never got to shoot or score or anything like that until the rules changed when I was in grade 11. So 
if I had to go back, I don't know if I would have played it or not, because it, it was not a great game then. Yeah, I mean, uh, usually the, the most fun about basketball is the uh, offensive side, not the defensive side. That's right, that's right, yeah. And uh, as a result, I really, really, I mean, the girls used to tease me in warm-ups asking me why I was shooting the ball, because you never get to shoot it in a game, so why are you bothering to do that? That must have been uh, quite the adjustment then when they uh, changed the rules. Well, it was, and I was the I was one of the taller players on my team, so I uh, I played in the post uh, through high school, so I really never got to dribble the ball or shoot it from outside the key. I was told to I was allowed to shoot it when I got an offensive rebound, as long as I was in the key, but I wasn't supposed to dribble it, so I didn't get a whole lot of uh, uh, chance to shoot it. And what was that like uh, then going to UNB and playing there? Well, when I went to UNB, uh, it, that was kind of the school that all the all the athletes went to at the time because it was the only phys ed school. And there were a lot of good players there at the time. And uh, I, I didn't even know if I'd make the team, really, because I wasn't even the best player on my high school team. So... Um, and when I got there, I did make the team, but the, the coach told me that I was too short to play post, so I'd have to play uh, a wing spot, forward spot. So so I did that my whole, uh, my first year there. And then when I, uh, anyway, that, so, uh, yeah, that was an adjustment for me too, to play facing the basket and, and uh, have to develop a little bit of a shot, a little bit of range and not easy. And all the while, you were actually uh, you were playing two sports. You were also playing field hockey. Yes, I played uh, in high school. I played uh, field hockey and basketball and ran track. And then when I got to UNB, I uh, played field hockey again because I I really liked to run and I liked to be outside. So that was a favorite sport of mine. And tell me about when you first uh, would have been noticed or, or played for the Canadian national team. I was uh, our our coach at UNB was very forward thinking and and uh, she wanted to get as many opportunities for us as she could so she she applied and we got accepted to go to a national senior tournament there was no uh, university championships at that time so we went to a senior tournament and it was in uh, Victoria British Columbia and uh, the assistant national coach happened to be watching our game, and I had one of those games where you could do no wrong, and I I, uh, I think I was stealing the ball lots and had lots of layups because I, I wouldn't be scoring other than that. And um, she watched me, and after the game, she asked me if I wanted to try out for the national team. And I didn't even know there was a national team, so I said, of course, and uh, uh, that's where it started. And then uh, what was kind of the journey to making the Olympics? Well, uh, that summer, uh, they brought us all to McMaster University, and uh, we stayed there all summer. They found us jobs during the daytime, and we, we practiced at night. For, we practiced from 7 to 10 every night, and we practiced twice on the weekends for the whole summer. They brought in, I think it was about 24 athletes, and at the end of the summer... They chose a team, and I was chosen as an alternate. And uh, when I went with a national team, they told me I was too short to play wing, so I'd have to play be a point guard. So I had to learn to dribble the ball. And but I think from my back from my three on three days, I learned very quickly one or two dribbles and find somebody that was open. So that was my whole 
my whole uh, way of playing, but I, I didn't dribble the ball a whole lot. I found somebody really quickly. And um, so I was chosen as an alternate, and the team was going to Cuba and Mexico that Christmas. And uh, one of the point guards got hurt. She hurt her knee, and so I got picked up to go and uh, went with the national team that year. And then, and then so I ended up playing uh, playing for seven years for the national team. That's a, that's quite the career. And then, uh, so so what was the, back then, how did you qualify for the Olympics? Well, it was hosted in Montreal. So as the host country, you you get an automatic berth. And that was the first time that women's basketball was in the Olympics. Um, uh, the men gave up six of their spots. I think they had uh, 24 spots or more than that. Anyway, they gave up six of their spots for us. So the top five teams in the world were there, plus us. We were probably ranked uh, anywhere from 10th to 12th at that time. And what was that experience like, being part of the uh, first women's team to be at the Olympics? Well, uh, I don't think we realized it at the time what a, how big of a deal it was. Um, I know it was something that I wanted to do because I might have ended my career a bit before that, but um, it was it was just incredible um because of the the fans and what a big deal it was and having it at home and uh uh just the magnitude of the whole thing the opening ceremonies the queen being there uh you know the the uniforms the outfits that we had it was just it was a really big deal when did it dawn on you that that was uh actually happening and you were uh, at the olympics Probably the opening ceremonies. We had to line up outside the, the uh, Olympic Stadium quite a while beforehand, and we were the last country to go in, so we were the last in line. We were about probably two kilometers outside the, the stadium, and we were all lined up. And as we started to march in, the uh, people that couldn't get into the opening ceremonies were all lined up on the side of the road, and I, and I think they were about six deep, it seemed like that. And, and they clapped and cheered for us the entire time we walked along that two kilometers. And it just, and then when we walked into the stadium through that tunnel and you know started going around the track, and the place just went wild. Everyone, I'm, well, I know my heart went right into my throat, and I was just uh, choked up for a good two hours. Fair enough. Um, what was it like uh, playing those home games there? Um, well, uh, uh, it was, um, what was it like? We had, uh, I mean, we were playing the top five countries in the world, so we knew we were in tough, and, and Russia being one of them, and no one touched Russia at the time. They were They beat everyone in the world by over 50 points they had a they had a girl that was seven foot two uh Semenova was her name she was actually inducted in the u.s basketball hall of fame uh, she was so down a big left-handed girl and then they had two two wings that played for them that were about six nine and their their point guards were about five ten so they were just dominating and um i mean we played hard through all our games and we had some close games and uh I think we were pretty pleased with our performance. Seven foot two—that must have been a little intimidating. Yeah, our our, uh, our center, who was about six three, she tells a story about getting the ball in the high post, and Semenova was behind her. And she says, "I faked to the left, and she was there, so I came back around to the right, and she was still there, but she hadn't moved." <laughs> <laughs> wow.
Well, uh, that must have been... Uh, you said a lot of the players didn't really realize how uh, significant it was that you were the first team. When did you kind of realize how significant it was? Um, probably when they told us that uh, Montreal was going to be hosting and that we would have an automatic berth in it. And I don't think we realized that we were the first, like the very first time women's basketball was being played in the Olympics. And here we were all a part of that. And we were, we were the host team. And uh, I think probably as soon as that happened, and, and it wasn't, it was probably just the summer before. We really didn't know a whole lot of time before that. I imagine that uh, stands up there as one of your uh, all-time career highlights. Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, I'm so glad that I stuck around for that and, and competed in that, absolutely. What else is uh, up there in terms of some of your uh, favorite moments from your basketball career? Well, I, I certainly got to travel around the world, uh, which I never would have done if I hadn't played basketball. I, I mean, we were one of the first countries to ever go into China, and uh, we were right behind the, like, have you ever seen the, the, the Forrest Gump movie where Forrest Gump goes into China and plays um, uh, ping pong? Mm-hmm. That actually happened with the U.S. team. They, they had a ping pong team that went into China, and we were we were kind of right behind them, the next foreign country to win. And so that was, that was incredible because they had never seen uh, foreigners. They, they were all dressed in navy and, and uh, gray suits. And we came in with our bright red suits on. We had a six-foot-three blonde girl. We had two African-American players that they had never seen before. And they just followed us around. Like There were hundreds of people following us around as we walked around the street. So we really felt like celebrities. And, what and was... we had some, I had some other, I mean, we went to Russia for the student games, and we played a lot through Europe, because back then, the teams, if they, if you got to their country, they would pay your whole way while you're in the country, so they would pay your flights or, or travel around the country and all your hotel and all your meals, so we, we traveled a lot back then. And what did it mean for you? I mean, you were saying in, even in high school, you weren't necessarily the the best player on your team. You had to adjust from being a really a, a post to being a, a point guard. What was it like for you to get to have all those opportunities? Did you ever think that was something that was going to happen? Absolutely not. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that. But I, I was a hard worker, and I knew I was athletic. I had some. I had good quickness. I had good lateral quickness. Like I was a good. I was a. I was a good athlete in high school. Um, and uh, but I just never thought that I was skilled enough. I always thought I might do something in field hockey because uh, that was more conducive to my style. Because I was. I was. I was fast, and field hockey you need to be fast to do that. Um, but uh, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and I and I worked hard. I figured it out pretty quickly. I I might not be the most skilled player, but if I got myself in really good shape, that by the time the third or fourth day of tryouts came around, uh, everybody else would be injured or sore, or a little bit slower, and I would still be pretty fresh. And and that's when I I thought they would start to notice me, and maybe I'd get my shot. And uh, obviously you had a high basketball IQ. What was it like transitioning into coaching? Well, again, I, got, I just got opportunities there. I, uh, I, I think I always wanted to coach because I was always writing things down. And I, uh, 
my two mentors from high school were both very good coaches at Moncton High School, Joanne Third and Ed Skiffington. And I wanted to teach phys ed, and I wanted to be like them. And I, I just got a great opportunity to come back to UND and, and uh, coach the basketball and field hockey teams there. So I wrote everything down, and I, and I took a lot of, I took a lot of, saw what other coaches did and took a lot from them and, and learned a lot and kind of patterned myself around them. And uh, as you said, you went to UMB. You spent uh, a lot of time with that program over the years, yeah, from playing there, coaching there, and now you, of course, uh, call the uh, AUS games there. Uh, how important is that uh, program to you? Well, uh, uh, it, it, I, I did spend just about every, uh, I mean, I went there in, in 1968 and uh, didn't leave very for very long, actually. It was I taught a year in Quebec after I graduated, and then I went to the government for five years as a sport consultant. But uh, other than those six years, I was at UNB for for all, for the majority of my career, and uh, it just holds a special place to me. They were they were very good to me, and uh, it, it just felt like home. Lots of great memories. You mentioned that uh, when you were with the uh, women's national team, you ranked about twelfth, and now. The women's programs ranked one of the the best in the world. What's it been like, kind of seeing that progression? Um, well, I, I always think that we were kind of the, kind of guinea pigs when we first started out with that team, and and hopefully got it started on its way. And, and there are lots of people that had a vision, and uh, and uh, of course basketball has grown so much across the country and across the world, and lots more opportunities for players now. And, and I've always thought we've had every bit as good an athlete in in Canada, and and especially on the East Coast. That it's just a matter of confidence and uh, and uh, realizing that you can play with the rest of the world. So, what do you think's been making the the program so strong recently? Is it just that uh, confidence that they've been gaining? Well, confidence, yeah, and, and there's just so many people playing basketball right now, and lots of great athletes, and they're getting way more opportunities now. Uh, they've got all kinds of programs with Canada. I mean, back back when I played, they just had one national team. They didn't have a junior national team or an under-15 team, or they didn't have all these different world championships for different levels. And also, they didn't have um, Canadian championships. We when I first started, uh, the first CIU championship was in my fourth year of university. It, it was called CIAU then, now it's called CIS. But uh, they just gradually added more and more and, and been a force in the, in the world with putting different level teams out there. And, and kids are getting to see their opportunities and they're putting more time into it. And uh, as a result, it's, it's certainly paying off. How important do you think it is for uh, uh, young girls to be able to see uh, the women's team succeed so much? Well, it's it's uh, it's just important for them to be able to see them, period, and know that there's a, there's another there's a higher opportunity that they can play and something to aspire to. So, I just think it's so important to to talk about it, to have a, an opportunity for them to see it, to to have games on TV, to have the World Professional League, to to see that, hey, I can, I can make a career out of this if I work really hard at it. 
And that's something players, uh, more and more players from Canada have certainly been able to do. Uh, just let's talk a bit about how the game, the game itself has sort of evolved. Obviously, it's a lot different than uh, three on offense, three on defense when you first started playing. Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't have a three-point line either, so uh, and we didn't have a, a shot clock at first. So uh, games were pretty low scoring. Uh, it's changed a lot. Just, just the uh, I mean, they didn't even think girls could run that far when I first started. And uh, now it's just it's turned into a, a really great game with some really athletic players playing. Do you feel like the uh, the women's program, as strong as it's been, is is getting the respect it deserves? Um, well, it, it's it's coming gradually, but um, still not enough yet. I mean, just just the, just to be able to uh, to watch a game and to go go see a WNBA game, for example. I mean, that's just that's one of the best products there is out there cheap price the the players are are unbelievable and uh we just don't see enough of that on tv at all and you, you've got to be able to see it to believe it and, and know that it's it's out there and that that that's something that you can aspire to you've, i think we've got to have way more of that that uh, that there's an opportunity for young girls to to see what there is out there absolutely and uh, just before we end things off, let's talk a bit about the strength of basketball in Atlantic Canada. What have you, uh, you obviously watch a, a whole lot of uh, AUS games, being one of the commentators. Uh, what have you, you seen there? Uh, we've got, we've got a, a, good, a good group of, of athletes down here. And <clears throat> my concern is anytime we go away to nationals, that there's always that... Uh, that stigma that you have to overcome or, or there's always that belief that we're not quite as good as the rest of the country. And, and I know even from way back when I played, it was, I always had to to push players to understand that we're every bit as good as them and, and uh, we can win this game. We can do well here. And, and by the time players realize it, a lot of times it's too late. Same when we have kids that go and try out at national levels. Um, We've got great athletes down here, but their confidence level is just not that strong, and uh, we've got to keep pushing that and, and uh, reinforcing the fact that they've got some great talent and, and can compete at that level. How do you how do you kind of do that? How do you get those uh, those players' confidence levels up to a a place where they know they're they're just as good as a say a player from Ontario or Quebec? Well, I think it's exposure. And and uh, going to lots of those tournaments and uh, and you know most of the time they do realize it, but it's that it, it takes them a while to realize it and uh, and uh, uh, you know hopefully they get another opportunity. A lot of times it's just one and done. So so if they don't if they don't go right away and are and are able to do it, sometimes they're they're just lost. But uh, Hopefully, just that fact of reinforcement, and the more play, and the more players we get to that level, and the more teams we get that are doing well, then it, I mean, it's just it's a snowball effect. So I think it will eventually, it will eventually happen. Yeah, I was just gonna say it might take just a, a player or two or a team or two breaking the ice there and uh, really uh, showing what uh, Atlantic Canada's got. 
I mean, exactly. uh, if you if you if you listen to the last podcast, Haley McDonald scoring uh, fifty one points in that yeah. game is a, a good testament to uh, Atlantic basketball for sure. Yeah, that was a that was an incredible performance by that young lady. And uh, we got the uh, rest of the U Sports Championship this weekend. Uh, are you going to venture to make any sort of predictions, or are you uh, retiring from predictions this year after uh, the uh, AUS? Uh, dis- <laughs> yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Do you? Sure. That's a, that's the fun of basketball. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but well, the top four did make it in into uh, into the final four at uh, for the women's nationals, anyway. So uh, I, I just haven't watched enough of the. Uh, of other league play to know what's happening this year, but I know Laval are ranked number one, and I was kind of hoping they haven't. They've never won a national championship, so you always kind of hope for the underdog. So that's who. That's who I'm hoping comes through. Awesome. Well, Joyce, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Okay. Very nice talking to you as well, Philip. Have a good one. Okay. Thanks. You too. That was Joyce Slip, Olympian and Canadian Basketball Hall of Famer. If you enjoyed what you heard. Please make sure to leave a rating and review. I really appreciate that. If you'd like to reach out, you can send an email to Canada's Court Podcast at gmail.com. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening. <laughs>